Hi, I'm Mike Phil. Yeah, I'm Mike Butler. And you're listening to the Forgotten Cinema Generic Ad. Join us every Wednesday as we talk about films that seem to be forgotten by audiences, whether it be because a more popular movie was released at the same time or the film simply didn't catch on with an audience in its initial run. We'll discuss what we love about the film, maybe don't love about it, but we'll always recommend you revisit it. You never know, you might find your own forgotten gem. Forgotten Cinema is available wherever you get your podcasts or at ForgottenCinemaPodcast.com or ForgottenEntertainment.com as we are a proud part of the Forgotten Entertainment family i swear i talk more in the episodes hey there i'm mr black and i'm mr green and we're a couple of guys who met in a comic book store together we host the pint o comics podcast where we invite listeners to join us to talk about movies tv comics music or just whatever starting very soon we'll be joining up with the fine folks at forgotten entertainment for a special limited series called On the QT, where we talk Tarantino. Every week for 10 weeks, a guest will join us to chat about every Quentin Tarantino movie from Reservoir Dogs to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So join us starting in May 2021. On the QT is available wherever you download your podcasts and is part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Ooh, that's a bingo. Hello there. I'm Colleen. And I'm Anders, and we're nerds who love science fiction and fantasy stories. So, of course, we love Star Wars. And if there's one thing the internet definitely doesn't have enough of, it's nerds talking about Star Wars. So, each episode, we journey to a galaxy far, far away to discuss what's new in the Star Wars canon and beyond. This is yet another Star Wars podcast. Yes, and this week we are sitting down to a feast that maybe mm-hmm. we'll throw away because we think it's a waste. I, I really don't know. I don't know what was going on there. A lot of food but... for two people, maybe. Unless I would think the... they give it to the new people too, maybe. Those kids were so. probably hungry. <laughs> anyway, we are going to discuss the third episode of the new Disney Plus series, The Book of Boba Fett, titled Chapter 3, The Streets of Mos Espa. Mm-hmm. This episode was written by John Favreau with a staff writer credit to Noah Clore and directed by Robert Rodriguez. Colleen, are you ready to hop on board that space Vespa and take take a dip in the flashback to tank? <laughs> I don't know about the flashback to tank, but I really need that Vespa in teal immediately. <laughs> I, I kind of want it in like a in like a classic like pale, mm. almost like sky blue, the kind you might find in the town in Luca with all those Vespas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Because that Definitely. is my dream existence. It's a small Mediterranean <laughs> Italian town. It's just to be yes, there. I would love to go there. <laughs> anyway, all right, let's get straight to it. We're going to punch it with an episode recap. All right, here we go. 8D8, that's actually harder to say than I would think, is giving Boba a succinct and long overdue breakdown of the power situation in Mos Espa. Why did they <laughs> wait so long? Like, this is stuff that Boba should have been like, what's mm-hmm. the situation? Like right. the instant he killed everybody. <laughs> yeah, this should have been the breakdown that we saw like in episode one. <laughs> and I'll, I'll give AD8 like a pass because he's not a protocol droid. So he probably like doesn't know these things. Right. Maybe he's amassing giving, information. I'm not giving Boba the pass. <laughs> no, this is stuff he needs. <laughs> he should have asked. Just like, no. And dude. I'm not giving Fennec the pass because no, she apparently Fennec. didn't be like, do, do you want to know what's going on before we? do this right before we muscle in onto territory (laughs) that we know very little about Uh, fine after Jabba's death or the sail barge disaster where he whose name we don't say perished Bib Fortuna broke up Mos Espa into three territories to divide amongst the Trandoshans the Aqualish and the Klaatuanians it worked and the mayor was kept happy the whole time The current situation finds everyone waiting to see what type of leader slash businessman Boba will be. Fennec and Boba think about the assassins and who might actually be behind it. 
My money's still on the mayor. I don't think that assassin was lying. <laughs> I think it's the mayor for real. It's got to be the real mayor. shady. So soon a local watermonger, Lortha Peel, comes in. Delight, delightful. Absolutely delightful. <laughs> We'll talk about in, that later. <laughs> yes. Comes in to ask Boba for a favor, a boon, if you will, uh, as he is, in fact, the new daimyo and is theoretically at least responsible for enforcing all this protection that he's supposed to be collecting protection money for. Mm-hmm. Uh, some local street gang has stolen his water, which is how he makes his money, and he wants Boba to fix the situation. Mm-hmm. He also somewhat helpfully tells Boba no one respects him. And that no one's taking him seriously as the daimyo. So he better get up and do something as the streets are in total disarray. Which again, Boba claims he doesn't know. Right. Like, dude, you need to get out there. You need to get away from the palace and the feasting and get out there. So Boba goes out there to the workers district and confronts the street gang youths. <laughs> youths. Street gang that we got here. Youths? What are youths? <laughs> youths on bikes who all have various cybernetic enhancements on their bodies and they more or less laugh in his face as teenagers will do. The watermonger is charging a month's worth of wages that they don't have because there's no work to be found for a week's work of water. Ugh, not a good look for the watermonger. And I think Boba decides that also. Yay, Boba capitalism. I know, right? I was like, ooh, is this a a story for our modern time? Boba decides to employ the gang as his own guards and enforcers and gives Peel about a third of what he claims he's owed and tells the monger to lower his prices, which he's not going to do, folks. But it does kind of make sense. Like, if if people can't buy your water, then yeah, they're going to steal it. It's water. Mm -hmm. You kind of need that to live. Especially on Tatooine. Like, Especially on Tatooine. My guy. And he probably has like all of these freaking moisture farmers under his thumb too. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, where is he getting his water? He's not moisture farming out there in the desert. Probably not. So back at the palace, Boba is back in the Baxter tank once again. And we get another mm-hmm. flashback. He's riding a Bantha. You know, like a Bantha. He looks great. He looks great. Into <laughs> <Bantha. laughs> Mosisley to parlay with the Pikes. The pike leader tells Boba if he doesn't have any issue paying the Tustins protection money to get through their land, like, cool, if that's your land, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But he's already paid the swoop gang for the exact same thing in the exact same territory. He just, do- he just doesn't want to pay twice, which mm-hmm. understandable. Like, you already paid fine. the protection money. Like, Boba assures him he'll take care of the gang, but he won't mm-hmm. hear from them again. And so he goes back to the tribe only to find that they have been slaughtered. Mm-hmm. And not just the men, but the women, the children, <laughs> the banthas, and the dogs too. Like even Anakin left the banthas alone, as far as we know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not okay, folks. <laughs> with the uh yeah, with the insignia of the swoop gang left behind, Boba mm-hmm. stacks up, he burns the bodies of his friends along with the child's little gaffy stick. God, that was <laughs> just that. freaking, that was ridiculous. Robert Rodriguez you and Chuck Colleen's <laughs> tears. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was not in good shape, everyone. Although it doesn't look like all of them were killed. Like the pile of bodies that he assembles doesn't look that big. So I'm hoping that like the chief guy and the warrior weren't there. Like maybe they were kind of at a little outpost. One of their gaffy sticks was there, wasn't they? I would have to go back and rewatch it. He threw he threw, threw a couple tears. of full size ones on there, yeah. and uh, I'm currently still waiting on the drafts of Colleen's letters for <laughs> if they kill the child. 
I just went on a really long rant while I was watching the episode. Uh, okay, next. Boba is ripped from his slumber by none other than Black Kersenton. Mm-hmm. The rather large and loud Wookiee has managed to infiltrate the palace and make it up to his back to chamber without detection, which is rough, and is quick to try and kill the crime lord. As he has done any crimes so far, we're not sure. Like, Boba claims he's a crime lord. I, and he, and that's what he wants to label himself, but I haven't actually seen him do crimes. No, I haven't <laughs> seen him do any crimes. I've seen respect towards women and children and animals. <laughs> But no crimes. I mean, he did bust into the mayor's chambers without a meeting appointment. Like, mm. (laughs) that's his only crime so far is against administration. The fight is really brutal. Like, this was insane. (laughs) Boba's being thrown around like a ragdoll, although he looks real fit, folks. It's fine. Uh, Like, the toe? The toe. Did did you see the toe? Yeah, I was like the toe is like the big toe is sticking straight up, and I'm like I'm trying to find out like is that a real injury that happened like during the filming of this scene? Is Tamora Morrison's toe just like that from an injury a long time ago? Was like a little was some of the post production people just like you know what let's make this a little weirder and throw throw the toe up there. Oh, I so want... like, oh, is this like a freaking Viggo Mortensen Aragorn situation? It could be. <laughs> Ugh. So bad, like, I need to know though. I need to know the answer to this. We we need to know. This needs to be covered somewhere. Boba gets his gaffy stick to fight back after his armored gadgets can't be used in time. He's he'd be done for pretty much, but the youths (laughs) get to him. The gang gets in there and distracts the Wookiee long enough to fight back. They tumble down into the throne room where Fennec intervenes finally. Well, she, she was sleeping light somewhere, but getting Kersenton to fall through the trapdoor into the Rancor pit. Boba arrives and lets one of the Gamorreans have access to the back to tank, which pretty good. Yeah, That's that was pretty access nice. to healthcare. Nice. Thank Absolutely. You, and it was it was like immediate too. Oh, you're hurt? Just go use the back to tank. Whatever. Yeah. So sometime later, Boba and Fennec are feasting. Well, at mm-hmm. least she is feasting. He's just like sitting there and reflecting on what a waste of food this is, which it's an even bigger waste if you don't eat any of it. Right. Just put it in some Tupperware, throw it in the fridge, yes. or the freezer. It'll be good the next couple days. <laughs> uh, and they ultimately decide that they're going to kind of wait for the twins to show their hands, which mm-hmm. I would think that the um, Wookiee assassin was was a pretty obvious hand but okay and as luck would have it the twins are arriving they're outside Mm -hmm. the two huts admit to and do apologize for the attack the attempt by black chrysanthemum to kill boba Mm -hmm. but it seems they've all been played Mm. the mayor has promised tatooine to the pikes which if he's the mayor of Mos Espa, how can he promise the whole planet to the Pikes? I have questions about the whole, I have questions about the whole territory thing later. We'll get to that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but the Pikes mm-hmm. are currently arriving uh, to claim their new territory. The Huts are going to just peace out and go back to Nalhada and they advise Boba to do the same. Yeah. Uh, as an apology and as the initial tribute that he probably should have gotten in the beginning, they offer him a rancor is, as a gift along with his trainer, <laughs> Danny Trejo. The character has a real name. The, the character has a real name, but no, it's his Danny Trejo. <laughs> no, it's Danny Trejo. I was like, oh my god! I think I texted you immediately, and was like, Danny Trejo. I saw. I didn't even see him close up. I saw him on like the You're just like platform. is that is that Danny Trejo? Like, that's got to be Danny Trejo. <laughs> Boba thanks them, and he offers them black chrysanthemum back. 
uh, as long as they renounce all of their claim to Jabba's old territory, mm-hmm. which they don't do. They do not take the gift and they say, yeah, just they tell him to leave and maybe sell the Wookiee back to the gladiator pits, which I'm sure he would have actually been happy with. He seemed to have a good time there. <laughs> Boba lets, ultimately lets Kersantan go, so he runs off into the dunes uh, and to some major Fennec sh- side-eye once again. Yeah, Another of Boba's decision, just Fennec looking at him like, you fucking dumbass. Yeah. yeah. Mm. <laughs> so down in the dungeons, Danny Trejo tells Boba that Rancors are in fact emotionally complex creatures, and this one happens to be kind of depressed. depressed. Uh, yeah, he's <laughs> tied up, he's in chains. Uh, and they're ultimately actually very docile by nature. But they're able to be very fierce fighters when they feel threatened or scared. The witches of Dathomir used to ride them through the forests. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Boba decides that that's what he wants to do. He wants to learn to ride this rancor. Mm-hmm. So the creature's blinders are removed. So it imprints on Boba as the first thing it sees. And he has some great fun petting it. This is probably the yeah. greatest moment in the episode. So He's just cute. like, oh, you should like that, don't you, buddy? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> I was like, oh, yes. And tomorrow Morrison is leaning into this, being a real rancor. <laughs> yes. Uh, unfortunately, though, he does have to leave and attend to business. He's got to go see the mayor. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, baby, baby we're going to give you a name. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so cute. <laughs> Last but not least, Boba and Fennec walk into the mayor's offices, but the major domo says the major the mayor isn't available really right now. You know, he's got back-to-back meetings. He's a busy guy. He then slips out the back in a quote-unquote speeder chase. <laughs> so with Boba's new hires eventually cornering the Twilight. Like, damn, this was real slow, guys. Under duress, he admits the mayor is with the pikes. We see a cruiser land and several pikes depart. One of the street gang reports back to Boba uh, about the new arrivals. And Boba says that they need to prepare for war. And the episode ends. All right. A lot lot going on here. A lot of plot happened in this episode. So Colleen, let's get into our reactions here. What, What were your overall thoughts on this? Okay. I really did enjoy this episode. Although I still think the second one is my favorite so far. I did write out a rant about the killing of the youngling Tuscan child. No, no, I will not share in full here. <laughs> Needless to say, I am not impressed with the killing of more Tuscan children. Even if he did take all the credit for killing that sand monster, he was still so cute. The little gaffy stick was just unacceptable. What <laughs> cannot, cannot with this shit right now, Star Wars, stop it. But the rest of the episode was really fun. I actually liked the kind of cheesy American graffiti chase sequence. It was very like an homage to Lucas. Although Robert Rodriguez, I'm like, dude, you usually go a lot faster. Although let's be fair, the Twilight Majordomo, probably not that good of a driver. (laughs) (laughs) He probably doesn't have to drive himself very often. He's definitely abusing that position. (laughs) Yes. So I don't think he's going to be engaging in like some really sweet maneuvers anyway. obviously they were gonna catch him so funny i do love the gang of youths with the chip on their shoulder trope fantastic (laughs) keep giving us more sassy teens for boba to go up against i like the kind of like ghost in the shell extras situation with all their cybernetics because a lot of times in star wars you're told that people have all these cybernetic enhancements but you don't really see them yeah here they're really out there like he's like no i'm proud of my eye 
and it's just like a full-on metal eye <laughs> a lot of times they'll be like oh yeah my eye's cybernetic but you can't tell mm-hmm. or like luke's hand is covered up or anakin's hand was covered up you just never really saw it here it's like nope we're street youth we're punks we're cool we listen to the clash and all kinds of other old london rock music i i love it and of course the rancor precious baby He's going to be such a good pet owner. Boba is looking great. He's feeding the Rancor. Important. He's not going to turn him into like some savage monster that eats people every once in a while. Hmm. Very happy about that. How about you? What did you think? I mean, a couple highlights from this episode for me. Fennec, just like I told you so, eyes are always perfect. Ming-Man Wen is just having a blast (laughs) with Mm -hmm. this part. and I love it. Mm. I... I also just love the puppy talk with the Rancor is sublime when AT8 interrupts and is it's like you've gone over to pick up your girlfriend, but she's not quite ready yet. So you sit down and start playing with her dog, and then she's like telling you, Yeah, I'm ready, it's time to go. And you're just like, Can't you see I'm playing with the dog now? Like this this yeah. is the this is the situation. Yeah, it's too late. The dog has laid down on me and now we're not leaving. And now we're just doing belly rubs for the next like hour and a half. Yep. <laughs> Uh, the chase sequence wasn't well, definitely wasn't my favorite, but I liked it more the second time I watched it. More um, comedic. It's more anything. comedic, yeah. The the black chrysanthemum fight, like I, I think, was absolutely was brutal and it was intense. Really cool. And I don't know if this is just the time of day that I watched it. Like I watched it right after I woke up, pretty much. Mm-hmm. But the first time I watched it, I was like, "Is this what people were talking about during like the long night in Game of Thrones, where they can't see anything?" It's too dark. <laughs> and then I, and then when I rewatched later on, I was like, "Oh no, the lighting's fine," which is exactly what happened to me with the long night. I watched it a second mm-hmm. time. I'm like, "Oh, the lighting's fine." Like, <laughs> right. I just need it to be really dark in order yeah. to see everything. <laughs> <laughs> but overall, yeah, I still like this. Ep- I like this episode a lot. I like that we are moving forward with this present day plotline a lot. Mm-hmm. And Boba is finally getting a real sense of what he seems that he's actually up against. Yeah, he can't just walk in, shoot somebody, and expect to take the throne. No, mm-hmm. um, I don't think ultimately we've seen the last of the twins or the huts. I think that they are definitely going to come back into play, and mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if Black Crescenting comes back in- before the end as well. Right, like Boba's doing a really good job right now of the of kind of get building his team with. The downtrodden, the ones that other people mm-hmm. have kind of abused or thrown away. He's got the street youths. He's got Bo- he's got Fennec who was left for dead. Mm-hmm. He's got the Gamorians who were they were about to be executed, mm-hmm. and so showing that little bit of mercy to Black Kersantan, who the Huts were about to toss aside, I think is going to be a major potential plot point in the future. I hope so. <laughs> I want to see more <laughs> of them. I can kind of picture the Huts hanging out waiting to see if Boba and the Pikes kill each other. I almost definitely think that that's what they're doing because the Huts, I mean, the Huts have a very long lifespan. They have the luxury of being able to potentially do that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, they can wait forever. They're very patient. Yeah. All right. Well, with that, let's get into our homages, Easter eggs, callbacks, and connections segment. More a lot again. (laughs) Yes, a lot. Again, not quite as many as last week, but still a lot. Uh, Starting off again with the title, The Streets of Mas Espa. Uh, if we kind of keep going with this Bible theme that uh, I committed us to. <laughs> hey, I'm here like... for it. I love making these connections. <laughs> uh, you could say that it's a reference to the streets of heaven are paved with gold, a biblical verse, or the 
the idiom, the old idiom, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Whoopsies. Which Tatooine is kind of already hell, so I don't know. <laughs> I know. It's like, well, the gold here is either spice or water. <laughs> and we've already been interacting with both of those things in yes. the first three episodes. So it's like the two treasures of Tatooine are those things. We'll see where that goes next. I love this stunt <laughs> casting. I don't care. <laughs> Steven Root as Lord Appeal, the watermonger. Holy <laughs> shit. He walked up on screen. It's like, this is amazing. Didn't even realize he was a Star Wars fan or if he is. <laughs> so fantastic. I was, and he was very different from a lot of his typecast characters. This is like a smarmy guy that knows how to get so i was thinking about that so he i mean he's probably he's obviously best known uh from his role uh uh, in office space Mm -hmm. but this is actually a lot similar to i think his character that he plays on barry Barry. Mm -hmm. yeah and then there was one other one i think that he was in relatively recently that i saw him uh i think it was justified is his character that would make sense yeah he was not justified (laughs) Yeah. Well, Timothy Oliphant, here we go. <laughs> With Timothy Oliphant, absolutely. Let's just bring all the Justified cast in. That would be perfect. He tells Boba that Tatooine used to be covered with water, which is interesting. I love a good, like, oh, this was an ocean planet, but now it's not. Like, hmm, I wonder why. Mm-hmm. That's oh, that's the second or third reference we've gotten to it so far, too. Mm-hmm. All right, next up, we have the half-human, half-machines. So you mentioned this earlier. We've seen people with cybernetic enhancements in Star Wars before, notably Empire mm-hmm. Strikes Back uh, and on Rebels. They had those kind of head things just to improve their brain's oh. calculating power. Um, but a big element of this is actually in the novel Last Shot uh, deals mm-hmm. a lot more with these kind of individuals who are trying to merge the organic and the inorganic in search of quote-unquote perfection. Uh, we also have that Bomar Monk, or Bomar Monk, excuse me, in this episode, that spider droid at the beginning. We'll talk about those guys a little bit. Mm-hmm. And Fennec Shand herself is cybernetically enhanced at this point. I do, again, I'm not sure if that's just like a little life support system for her. Right. Or if um, it's like or her if, whole bowel had to be. Yeah. Like, had to be replaced. And replaced. obviously Vader mm-hmm. and um, General mm-hmm. Grievous. Yeah. Oh God, Grievous for sure. Yeah. He's one of the most prominent <laughs> <laughs> cybernetic beings. Oh, we always have to come back to the poor Tuscans. Yep. Not the first time we've seen a tribe of Tuscans getting slaughtered. We're looking at you, Anakin. Mm. Oh, so frustrating. <laughs> I know. And right after those gorgeous shots, like those were some mm-hmm. amazing wide shots of him yes. riding the Bantha. It looked so beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> uh next up black chrysanthemum has those electrified knuckle dusters um they do, they did appear in the comics and he has those metal plates surgically implanted into his knuckles so he's got almost like oh. like star wars wolverine claws i think in the comics yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. and when they were like electrified they kind of looked like vibroblade electric yeah. or like movement i was like oh shit he's gonna fuck some stuff up <laughs> I love a good brass knuckle, but of course we have to say knuckle duster because these aren't brass. <laughs> At least I don't think they have brass in Star Wars. Next we have Robert Rodriguez's frequent collaborator, Dranny Trejo, as the Rancor Keeper. I love that he brings up that the Rancors are gentle beings, that they're not, they are carnivorous, but they don't just randomly attack people. Mm-hmm. They just like 
hang out and laze about and eat when they want to. Yeah. <laughs> like a bear, I would guess, would be a good <laughs> approximation. I think kind of. I also just love that Danny Trejo, like no matter what he's in, he's just playing Danny Trejo. Yes. But yep. that also involves like a little bit of range. Like he, Danny Trejo is the guy who can be the just absolute killing machine character. Yes. But he, then he like is very good at almost parodying himself and turning out to be the gentle, like wise man. He's like, I am machete. I will kill you. But look at my baby. Look at this baby rancor. And here's his cultural history. <laughs> and it's just, it's fantastic. I love Danny Trejo and everything. <laughs> Next up. Yeah. Oh in the past, oh. Boba does not go to Mos Espa in the flashback. He goes to Mos Eisley, the OG Tatooine quote-unquote city, town, settlement, whatever you want to call it. The first one we went to in A New Hope. (laughs) Uh, Also, upon entering, we see the Stormtrooper helmets on Pikes, something we first saw in The Mandalorian. So again, connecting the two series. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that guy looked pretty fine with what he was doing. He's like, I'm creating my art. Don't look at me. (laughs) (laughs) Like, Jesus. Boba was like, all right, you do you, guy. (laughs) Sure. It's fine. We do see another person from the Mandalorian in the background. Palimoto and her droids are in most Eisley as well. Yes. Her pit crew droids. When I saw her, I was like, oh my God, yes. And part of me really just wants Amy Sedaris to have actually just been on set that day. Like, there's no need for her to have done that. No. But I just want it to be true. To support everyone. And they're like, oh, do you want to, like, hop into your costume and be on this episode? She's like, sure. Sure. Yeah, just walk back there. It's fine. Mm -hmm. Oh, <laughs> uh, when Boba and Fennec are having their feast, the animal on the table is a Nuna, which is mm-hmm. first seen in the Phantom Menace. And I think it's kind of a staple on a lot of big dining tables throughout the Clone Wars series. Yeah. And that blue turkey. stuff is probably Spotchka. I would guess. It's got to be. Fennec, Fennec likes her Spotchka. Fennec likes her Spotchka, although the Spotchka was like out of reach. It was like down the center of the table. And I'm like, no, it needs to be, the, the Spotchka's got to be within yeah. an arm's reach. <laughs> Boba probably put it there. He's like, Fennec, you can't have any of this until you've eaten. <laughs> Must have food with Spachka. Uh, Next, we have the Witches of Dathomir. Hell yes. The Ventress's sisters did indeed domesticate and ride Rancors. The idea comes from a Legends novel, The Courtship of Princess Leia, which is wild, wild shit happening in that novel. <laughs> Night sisters are explored greater in the Clone Wars series, of course definitely go watch Clone Wars. Yes. Watch the Witches of Dathomir. You'll be like, uh, is this for real? Like they allowed sexy witches to be in Star Wars. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. yes. Yes, they did. Yes, they did. <laughs> Next up, Boba mentions that he has definitely ridden creatures longer than larger than the Rancor before. Once mm-hmm. again, I mean a small life day reference in the Mandalorian we all thought made uh the Star Wars holiday special canon but this mm-hmm. confirms it because in that <laughs> in that special in his animated segment Boba Fett's initial appearance in Star Wars he is riding a giant ichthyodant uh dinosaur <laughs> some kind of a big dinosaur thing <laughs> uh and if he does ride the rancor he will actually not be the first character we've seen ride a Rancor. He will, in fact, not even be the first clone of Jango Fett to ride a Rancor. Mm-hmm. We saw Omega ride Lumuchi back Moochie. to SIDS it, through the streets in the Bad Batch episode Rampage. And Omega managed to bond with Moochie after like a day and be riding yeah. him. So, yeah. Boba, get on your shit. 
maybe it's like a clone thing where they don't seem menacing or they just have this way about them. It would be kind of fun since Boba and Omega are the alpha and the omega. If they mm-hmm. were just like, oh, we can bond with animals. No business. It's fine. It's great. <laughs> Speaking of our baby Rancor, feed the damn Rancor. <laughs> A full Ronto carcass. These large creatures were first seen on screen in the special edition of A New Hope. They sort of look like a cross between an elephant and a giraffe. Yeah, we see bit. that we see that one in Mos Eisley. He like rears his legs, yeah. and I think it's a Jawa that was riding him is like swinging yeah. off the front. Yes, hilarious. <laughs> Dang, that is a lot of food. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a full carcass. Jesus. Oh man. Uh, next up, uh, the Rancor. The notion that it will imprint upon the first thing it sees appears mm. to be like a not so subtle nod to Jurassic Park, where mm. Hammond, the park owner, insists on being present for all the dinosaurs' births so that mm. they will imprint on him. Mm-hmm. So this is a geese thing, too, like the baby geese, like the yeah. first thing they see. There was a, a flock of geese. I don't remember if it's in Canada or northern, like the United States, where all these geese were born and imprinted on a younger girl, and then she flew. Wait, that's a, a true story. Fly away home is a, a true story. story. Shout out to Anna. Fly Paquin. away home is based on a true story. <laughs> <laughs> I love that movie so much. It's so sweet. And yeah, so there we go. Wow. Let the baby imprint. Come on, geese. <laughs> yeah, oh, geese. <laughs> now I need to rewatch that movie. <laughs> Oh boy. Uh, next up, I think we have the uh, Ralph McQuarrie co- concept art. Once again, <laughs> gets the classic car chase trope where people are trying to move like a paint of glass across the street and you drive right through it. Well, in yeah. this case, it's a painting mm-hmm. of Ralph McQuarrie art from Return of the Jedi, a Jabba the Hutt scene where they removed Luke Skywalker to make it just a simple Jabba portrait. <laughs> Fantastic. So good. Luke Erasure. It's fine. <laughs> Next, we have that Bomar monk. We've seen these spider guys before. These are monks whose consciousnesses have been encased, basically, in those creepy giant spider droids. It's gross. Like, all that liquid sloshing around in there, that's like a brain. <laughs> so I have a question about this, because I was thinking about this. Are are the monk's brains, like, driving the droid? Or is the droid have, like, its own separate operating software consciousness that's just, like keep the brain alive and then the brain's just like sitting there meditating the entire time excellent question (laughs) (laughs) i really would hope that the monk would be like partially having consciousness but because otherwise you're just like goop i mean isn't (laughs) floating around in a spider doesn't eternal bliss get boring after a while (laughs) you would think so or maybe this is like they're we're probably gonna die anyway so i guess just put our brains in this spider and see what happens Mm-hmm. Strange. All right. Next up, uh, we get the reference to the Clatoonians, Clitun- uh, mm-hmm. which is one of the gangs running Mos Espa. Uh, they are the only ones who we didn't see give Boba tribute out of these three mm-hmm. quote unquote families in the mm-hmm. in the first episode. Uh, we also get uh, a name for the Swoop Gang, although I'll probably still call them the Swoop Gang for the rest of time. Uh, they are the Kinton Striders. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the Kintan is one of the creatures from Hollow Chest way back in A New Hope. Mm-hmm. So cool. Yeah, the Klaatuidians mm-hmm. kind of look funky, so I'm not surprised that we haven't. <laughs> yeah, they're <laughs> weird. Maybe the makeup effect will be, it's kind of like a dog with no fur, like a smush face. But I think they are in the upcoming like dinner scene that we yes. got in the trailer. They mm-hmm. are at that table. 
that's like the one scene where mm-hmm. we're still waiting. Like, where is this dinner scene going to come out of? Mm-hmm. During the car chase sequence, we see in quick succession a protocol droid, Hilarious, and an astromech unit very similar to C-3PO and R2-D2. We also get more droids looking out for themselves. <laughs> like, heck yes. Just like the train conductor last week got the fuck out of Dodge, the rickshaw droid this week <laughs> quickly skids to avoid getting hit himself. Offering up his Bith passengers instead, L3 would be so proud. I mean, they serve droids now. This is a droid city. Yeah. Next up, we have, all right, we got to talk about the brightly colored Mm. Vespas. Mm. So these, (laughs) you kind of mentioned American graffiti. They definitely look like they are modeled more on like modern chopper motorcycles. Homage to some early George Lucas work. Uh, but turning them into speeders just made them look like Vespas completely. Yeah. And if I'm not mistaken, are these the first speeders we've ever seen that actually have rearview mirrors? It's possible. <laughs> Those chrome ones. <laughs> There's been a lot of talk about these. Uh, a lot of people are like, Ugh, they don't belong in Star Wars. Like, calm, yeah. calm down, people. Yeah, they, just, they obviously do belong in fine. Star Wars because they're there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it got okayed and... Yeah, it's there. I can kind of agree that like I I don't see how they're remaining that shiny on the sands of Tatooine. <laughs> right, right. They do look very pristine. So mm-hmm. all the water is being used to wash their <laughs> speaker. Oh my gosh! Speaking of that car chase sequence, it looks like it's supposed to be classic, like with several tropey elements: the breaking glass, crashing into something like the fruit stand. We've seen a lot of speeder chases in Star Wars, but this sort of looked like a cheaper version of the one in Solo. Yeah, like the one in Solo was crazy. That was a great way to open that movie. Mm-hmm. I agree. Fantastic. Show off Han's mm-hmm. skills. Yeah, uh, and that fruit stand is stacked with Melu runs. Shout Yay. out to Flo. We oh my god, this is just Flo's <laughs> episode. We have Melu runs. We have the holiday special. Everything. Yes. <laughs> Hera's absolute favorite fruit from Rebels gets a showcase when the Mayor's Major Dono crashes right into the stand. I've also seen a lot of people compare this uh, particular shot to Back to the Future when Biff crashes yeah. into the manure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not as gross <laughs> no. as the manure. Blech. Then we get the jetpack. Finally, Boba remembers he has one. <laughs> <laughs> but again, doesn't arrive until the end of the chase. Yeah. Yeah, he's like, go get the major dome. I'll be right there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Make sure my jetpack is fuel. <laughs> uh, and then we have the pikes. So the pikes uh, arrive on board a what looks like to be some kind of a, lo- a luxury starliner. Uh, not sharing the same name. Does look a lot like the concept of the floating luxury hotel known as the Galactic Star Cruiser coming to Walt Disney World. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe our friend Matt is going to that. <laughs> Already has a room at that, so he can enjoy it and tell us about it. I'm not jealous at all. (laughs) (laughs) Only 80% jealous. (laughs) Oh, man. 20% happy for him. Next, we have the Pike Syndicate leader mentions Obadiah. This is the Pike homeworld. He is played by Phil Lamar, a Star Wars staple. I love Phil Lamar. He's great. He has done voice work on the Bad Batch, Forces of Destiny. He voiced Bail Organa on Rebels and in Clone Wars, along with Kit Fisto and several other characters when Jimmy Smith wasn't available. And he's done voice work for several Star Wars and Lego Star Wars video games. I'm pretty sure he's also in Futurama. Yes, he's I in think Futurama. He's one of the voice actors on Futurama, so he's busy. Mm-hmm. 
He's very busy. busy. Speaking of Futurama, I mean those uh the the speeder bikes definitely reminded me of the uh yeah. the street racing gang from Futurama's like it's either the last season or the, the season before the last. That that makes a lot of sense now. <laughs> it's a very <laughs> Futurama y yeah. homage episode. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then small thing, I'm pretty sure I mentioned this in like our preview episode. Uh, but Fennec pulling the knives out of like random places and constantly throwing them just reminds me of Jason Momoa on Stargate Atlantis. His character Ronan just it was a running gag that he always had a knife to throw, and they're like, "Where do you keep these?" Wherever I can. Yeah. Basically, that's what Fennec does. She's just yeah. got them all over. The place. She's got them everywhere. Yeah, I don't blame her. Yep. You gotta need them. All right. Well, let's move into our questions and predictions. So any questions we have coming out of this episode, what we think might happen next and what we want to happen next. Mm -hmm. So I have a few questions here. All three episodes have had a flashback to Kamino, specifically always including a shot of Slave One. So when are we going to find out when and how Boba gets the ship back slash refound it post Tusken Raiders? It can't have just been sitting around. The Jawas would have gotten to it pretty quick, I think, if it was just parked. Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe in the next week or two, we get that part of the story. Hopefully. That'd be good. Mm-hmm. My main question this week is actually, I have a question about territory mm-hmm. and how it works in this in this universe. So one of the great things fantasy storytelling does is that it takes concepts and structures we're familiar with and it exaggerates them. It makes yeah. it hype hyperboles hyperbolizes is that a word i don't know hyperbolizes them we're gonna make it a word (laughs) yeah both in the concept of space and time so in our world hadrian's wall is less than two thousand years old it's about Mm -hmm. 15 feet tall and 73 miles long Mm -hmm. the wall in game of thrones which is based on hadrian's wall is over ten thousand years old it's hundreds of feet tall hundreds of miles long i think and it's made of magic ice yes <laughs> you know mm-hmm. padme was not the queen of one country on naboo she was a queen of the entire planet at least mm-hmm. maybe even the rest of the system too and a couple of surrounding planets mm-hmm. jabba did not just rule tatooine he did not rule one city on tatooine he ruled tatooine and a significant chunk of the outer rim of the entire galaxy mm-hmm. so if all of that is jabba's territory yeah. why is one city on a backwater world in the farthest reaches of the galaxy need to be split between three separate families? Why is only Mos Espa this thing getting Indeed. split? That must be where the spice is. Like, there has got to be something. This, that is like, going there's got to be something. Like, what is so strategic about one small city? Actually, what's kind of strategic about Tatooine in general? Is it right. is it strategic because of its insignificance? <laughs> Maybe. But and it's like, far away from the governing bodies. Like it's yeah, very is, far. <laughs> is, is Bib Fortuna splitting this one city between three families a sign of his incompetence or actually of his competence? Maybe right. is he actually like micromanaging and he's in a details-oriented guy? He couldn't do it. He knew he couldn't control everything by himself. No, but I'm mm-hmm. just like, I, I just, this was one thing that I was staring at the screen. I'm like, wait, isn't if you like, look at like a map like, of the galaxy too, you're like, oh, wow. <laughs> isn't like one of the things in Star Wars that nothing is ever involved in just like one city? It's it's a planet. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, exemplified by Coruscant, an entire planet that is one city. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I think, I hope at least we'll get some more information about this. 
like how exactly the crime syndicates and the cartels are splitting things up. Yeah. And once again, why didn't AB8 give this AD8 give this <laughs> this information sooner? <laughs> Just it's come pretty on. important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um prediction for I would think that in the next week or two we're going to start to see Boba and Fennec's history. Mm-hmm. Maybe we see what happened after he rescues her and hopefully that will get uh, a little bit of her background as That'd well. Nice. Maybe I want Ming Na Wen to do to have more to do. Yeah. Uh, after this fight, uh, I have some more questions about Bo- Boba and the Back to Tank. Like he has gotten his ass kicked several times on this show now. Uh, yet after this one mm-hmm. is the only one where he didn't oh. feel the need to get back into the Back to Tank. He just kind of comes down in his robe, not a scratch on him. Maybe he's like covered in the stuff, so it's still kind of healing. I don't know his wounds. <laughs> Yeah, like it's more like, he needed it more. I guess. Yeah, at that point. I, I don't know. I don't. He doesn't have a scratch on him though. When he doesn't need it though, kind of sus. Mm-hmm. All right, and uh, given her cameo, given Pelly's cameo here, um, I am now using this to pitch my dark rom com sitcom spinoff here, starring Pelly and Lorth Peel. I just think that this would yeah. make a great show. <laughs> I don't better know. call Pelly. Better call. <laughs> I think the two of them would make a fantastic pairing. <laughs> I think and, so too. and they would have a hilarious dynamic so and let's get their show they can mm-hmm. then const they can then like be regular haunts at the cantina and that's how we eventually get the spinoff that is basically the star wars version of cheers yes please with and the, the um freaking ant doctor bring him back yeah with the ant doctor <laughs> i think this is going to be great uh and then just because we were talking about her uh, a second ago i also would like to pin- pitch my fennec shans but spinoff uh starring Ming-Na Wen where her mentor assassin maybe like her aunt who raised and trained her who's going to be played by Michelle Yeoh betrays her and so she has to recruit her friend fellow assassin maybe Taraji P. Henson to take out <laughs> Michelle Yeoh we're just like stacking <laughs> these cats beautiful women and I'm fine with that yeah <laughs> I'm here for it that sounds amazing put Michelle Yeoh and Tarashi P. Henson in everything, especially in science fiction and in Star Wars. Please and thank you. Yeah. I have a lot of the same thoughts as you. I'm really curious about those Camino flashbacks because he seems, he's told Fennec something because he's like the dreams are back. Mm-hmm. So she must know something about what he's dreaming. And he seems a little concerned about this. Like they've been gone for a while and for some reason now they're back. He obviously has a lot of hangups about his youth and his father with the shot of slave one leaving like mm-hmm. obviously he blames mace window mostly <laughs> for his father's <laughs> death but you have to think there's going to be something in here about Django and like his legacy yeah maybe talk of omega if he knows about her i mean that would be interesting but i don't know if we're going to get there quite yet maybe if we get a season two maybe start talking about more who do you cast as omega too that's the other Oof. thing a New Zealand actress, <laughs> a Maori New Zealand actress. That, that's hard. They're going to have to find like a diamond in the rough would be my mm-hmm. guess. I don't think they can find someone that is already known to play her. No. I can't think of anyone off the top of my head who I would choose at all. Like, ooh, does Tamara have a sister? <laughs> can we just <laughs> her as Omega? Oh, I'm really excited to see Black Kirstenton come back. I'm sure that he will. You can't just like debut an internet sensation and then just be like, oh, bye. 
go hang out in the dune sea i guess no he's gonna come back because even though he's like this dark wookie they still have like a sense of obligation and honor Mm -hmm. and he needs to eat like he so i think his best choice is to go back to boba i really want to see boba dismantle that freaking speeder game (laughs) that killed killed the baby killed the kid I just want him to absolutely wreck them, completely destroy them, burn the bodies to the ground. And then my last thought, would a Timothy Oliphant cameo be too much to ask? I think Please. that that's much more likely than us actually seeing Kira. Like, I want to see right. Kira so bad here, but I just, I, yes. it's, it's the Mephisto of, <laughs> of the <laughs> yes, show. Like, at it's, this point, definitely. it's just not, I don't think it's actually going to happen. No. I would love if it did, or even like a mention of her would be cool. But mm-hmm. if Cobb Vamp came in and was like, uh, can we get some help <laughs> out in our village? Or they had a ring. No, they have a hut. At least they did. Yeah. So it would be interesting to see like how that would. And they kind of, I think they've got the zookeeper guy too. So God even knows what's <laughs> happening in Cobb Vamp's village. <laughs> All right, guys, I think that's going to wrap it up for us today. Uh, Before we go, though, you know, we have been doing recommendations um, on as we do Book of Boba Fett. It just wasn't going to quite work on this, but I do have one this week. 